So for the next five weeks, I'm going to be going through the book of James. After that, I'm going on vacation for two weeks. So leading up to it, this is what was put on my heart to do was this book. It's five chapters long. And so I'm going to go through one chapter a week for the next five weeks. And I'm really looking forward to this as it's going through a whole book. It'll be my first time studying a whole book, going through it, giving my interpretations on what I'm reading, going over it. You know, I had the podcast episode a few weeks back where I went through that one song and it was interesting to break that down. So I'm looking forward to this as well. And I hope that y'all will come back each week as I go through this. So I'm going to break this down paragraph by paragraph. I noticed yesterday before recording this, um, that when I read this in my King James version, the paragraphs were set up a little differently. So this is the ESV version I'm reading from, and the paragraphs are broken up in a way that I think, no offense to King James, I just feel like it's more fitting. So I'm only breaking it up into that. There's going to be eight paragraphs total, um, no more than three or four verses each paragraph. So we're going to work our way through this. So the first paragraph, it reads, this is verses two through four, because the first verse is just a greeting, so I'm not going to read that. So verse two, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So this basically just says, don't be shaken by the storms of life that come through the storms of life are going to come through. And so when they hit, we have to be ready for those. Those trials, whatever may happen, remember that they are going to happen. But these trials, these storms, they create our foundations. They create our strength. As it says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So whether it's someone testing your faith, whether it's life testing your faith, whether it's yourself just going through a season of difficulty in your faith, Know that those are okay, that those will come, and that you can grow and learn from those. And that when you do learn and grow from those, you will have a, f a faith that is perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So in verses 5 through 8, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, double mind, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So God will give you wisdom in all things and in all moments if you have faith. Whenever you're talking with someone, whenever you're even just thinking to yourself and you need that godly wisdom, or if someone says something and you're trying to work your way through what they said to know if it's true or not, ask God for that wisdom to search those parts of your life, to search those phrases, to search those comments, to search those thoughts, whatever. Turn to God, for he will give you the wisdom you need. And I just want to say for this section, be careful, because many people will look at these this verse 5 through 8, and they'll just not even look at the verse 5. They'll go straight to 6, which was, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. 
and what I'm saying with this is I've heard people look at that and then say that you'll get anything you ask for in faith. And there's other verses where Jesus himself says, ask in faith and it'll be given to you. And I do believe that if you ask for anything, God will give it to you. But you have to be careful with that because if you're saying, God, give me a supermodel wife, I don't think he's going to do that. If you're saying, God, give me a million dollars, I don't think he's going to do that. He might. That's his right if he wants to give you either of those things he can. But we have to be careful to not just take that and be like, oh, God is my genie in a bottle that I just come to whenever I want. Um, our pastor used a uh, funny example this morning that kind of made me chuckle, which was God's not a cosmic Santa Claus. So don't look at God as a cosmic Santa Claus who just gives whatever you ask for and all that. But do know that if you have God's desire in your heart, if you need his wisdom, he will give you that if you ask in faith, because that's his free gift to us is his wisdom. And God's wisdom is far above man's wisdom. So that's super exciting to know we can get that just with asking in faith, that that's how freely God gives that amazing gift to us. So in verses 9 through 11, it says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So riches are fleeting. Riches don't last. Don't live your life looking forward to the riches of life. And riches can mean financial or whatever. Um, specifically in this verses, I believe it's riches or it's financial. So don't try to store that up. Don't look for that to be your hope. Don't look for that to be your salvation because it's not. As it says, the rich man will fade away in his pursuits. So that verse there even says to me that not only the person who has money will fade away, but the person who is searching after that because it's saying in his pursuits, the pursuits of these riches is what will lead to the downfall. We must not ever be in search or in anything like that for riches because they're not promised. They're not set. You know, as Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also. So do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. That's a very strong command, very plain. There's no arguing that. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. That can be financial, that can be land, that can be possessions, whatever. Jesus says not to do it. Anything that is something, uh, you know, we don't have moths coming in and destroying our crops and stuff anymore, but that doesn't matter. It, it also says where thieves break in and steal. Thieves can easily steal your money. It happens all the time. So if money is what you're putting up to have your security or whatever, don't do that. Because as he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So have your heart set on God, not on money, not on possessions, not on things. Have your heart set on God who is forever. And back to James, you don't want to fade away in the midst of your pursuits. If you have your heart set on God, you're not going to fade away because that's a pursuit 
that is not fleeting. Pursue God, not riches. So in verses 12 through 15, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is, has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. That starts off saying that our reward for all that we'll endure on earth is a life in heaven and a life with Christ. Because it says the crown of life. The crown of life is to be in the kingdom of Christ. Um, so stand fast. Be, be steadfast in all of the trials that come. Because know that our hope is in Christ. And our hope is in the home of a life with Christ eternal. As he gives us a way to the Father. And the other verses, as I said in my one podcast about not giving the devil so much credit, in the same way, remember, we tempt ourselves. God explicitly says right here, God never tempts. The devil, he may tempt us occasionally, but God never does. So never say God's tempting you because he is not. He tempts no one. It's very clear right here in the word. But we are enticed by our own sinful desires. And we need to always remember to flee from these desires. If you've got a thought, it all starts with a thought. So when a thought comes, flee from it right then and there. Don't say, hmm, let me creep the door open and see it a little more. Once you start to push the door open, there's no closing it. So when you have these thoughts come, flee immediately. Pray to God. Say, save me from even this small thought. Because that small thought produces can become sin. And sin's result is death. So we must flee from these desires of our own hearts. And remember that we tempt ourselves, but we have a God who does not tempt. And we can flee to him and he will help us through our temptations. So in verses 16 through 18, it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So God only creates good and perfect gifts and per- good and perfect things. Think about the creation story. Everything he created, it says, and God saw that it was good. He did not create anything bad. He did not create anything mediocre. He only created good and perfect. But what happened was in our sin, we ran from that. And we chose to disobey God. But in our original creation, when he created man, he created them good. So there is goodness in us if we turn to God. But at the end of the day, we have to keep in mind his plans. And we have to remember that as he created us good in his original design, his plans, they're still good. They're still perfect. So if we just follow in his plans, we can do good. We can do perfection. Not that we are good or that we are perfect. Because as Jesus said, no one is good but the Father. But we are created in his image. So we have the ability for good in us through when he created us. So let's always remember that God did not create the bads of the world. He did not put the imperfections in the world. That is the result of sin from the beginning of time as we know it. 
And it's an unfortunate thing. But at the end of the day, God gives good and perfect gifts. Remember that. Remember that all he has for you and all he would want for you is good and perfect gifts. So in 19 through 21, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So very clearly, speak less, hear more. That's where it starts off. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. Because if we're always talking, and I'm sure you all know someone who just seems like they never shut up. Those people typically, if we're speaking in a worldly sense, are only really full of themselves. They think they know everything. They think what they say is correct, whatever it may be. But wisdom is in the silent. Wisdom is in those who listen, who learn, who are willing to hear others out. Because if you're never listening, if you're only speaking, that's where anger can come in. Because when you think so full of yourself that you know, you think in your heart you're right on everything, when someone speaks against it, whether they're right or wrong, if it's different than what you said, you're going to immediately turn to anger because they're contradicting who you think you are. So, and I think that's why there's so much pain and turmoil in this world is because everyone's just always talking a million miles a minute and no one's listening. And we need to remember to just stay humble because if we stay humble, we'll stay away from anger. Anger is very dangerous. As Jesus said, anger towards a brother is the same as murder. So let's stay away from anger. Be slow to, uh, slow to speak and quick to hear. Listen to one another. Learn from one another. God can use literally anyone, whether they're a believer or not. God can use anyone for you to learn something through. So always be willing to listen to someone and hear what God would have you hear from them. And he may have you say something of correction to them. But just remember to do it in humbleness, in humility, and in meekness. So in 22 through 25, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So many Christians, as much as they do, is go to church on Sunday, maybe Wednesday, but mostly just Sunday. They may listen to some sermons here and there throughout the week or something, but that's as far as their quote-unquote ministry goes. They never do anything. They just listen, which there's nothing wrong with that. I listen to plenty of sermons. I go to church on Sunday and Wednesday. I do all those things, but not to toot my own horn in any way, I do many other things as well. Um, so we have to remember that we have to be doers of the Word. We have to be more than just listeners. And that's not to say that salvation or any of that is a works kind of thing. You know, a lot of, there are sectors of the faith out there that believe we can work for our salvation. That's not true. Salvation is a free gift, but with that salvation, we should be doers. We should have work. And I'm going to talk more on this. There's in chapter two, there's an actual whole section talking about faith by works. Um, so I don't want to talk too much about this in this episode, 
because I'll be talking a lot about it more next week. But just remember that we need to be more than just listeners. Become active. Become someone who goes out and preaches, whether that preaching be literally standing on a pulpit preaching or something as simple as talking to someone, something as simple as praying for someone, whatever that ministry you can do in your life to spread God's word, to act out in the way he would tell us to act out, do those things. And so to sum it up, or not sum it up, and so to end it out in verses 26 through 27, it says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So religion must be helping the community. You know, we think about church, as I said, like a Sunday thing, you know, with a one-hour sermon or something like that. But that's not religion. You know, I'm a Baptist. That's a title of my religion, uh, you know, Christianity, Baptist, whatever. But religion is not that. You know, that's really an American view of it. Or I'll say Western view of it in the sense of not just America, but the, you know, Western side of Europe and all that stuff, the, the global term of Western. But that's not how Christianity was when it started. Um, you know, it wasn't even called Christianity. It was called the way, I believe it's called in the Bible. But if you, I've never been to Haiti or Africa, as I've mentioned before, and I think some other podcasts, but I've heard from people who have been there and church is not just a one day thing first off, but definitely it's not just a one hour thing. Church there, their religion is a whole event. You know, it could be eight to 10 hours long, a simple uh, church service. And so, you know, they're constantly in it. They're bringing the whole community in and letting people share their testimonies, and all these things. And that's so beautiful. And that's what religion is, is sharing your community. Because, you know, as it says, uh, the true religion of God is to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions. So we must serve the community. The community is orphans, widows, the poor, those who are hurt, those who need healing, whatever it may be. We have to be there for those people. That is what God would have us do. That is what Christ did. You know, it does say keep oneself unstained from the world, but that doesn't mean don't help the world. Christ, when he was on earth, he didn't just look for the, the perfect Jews. He actually kind of preached very much against the perfect Jews and went to, you know, the sinners, the tax collectors, those who were not ideal, quote unquote, people. And those were his people. Those were the ones he was seeking to save, the lost. So we must also do that. As we serve our communities, let's go to those who may never, ever accept Christ into their hearts, who may be fully against it. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean we shouldn't help them because we're all created in the image of God. And we are all connected through that, that we are created in God's image. We all share that together, whether you're male, female, black, white, doesn't matter. Yeah, Christian, Catholic, Jewish, whatever, it doesn't matter. We are all share that we are humans created in the image of God, and we are meant to serve those who need serving, those who need help, those who are less fortunate. If you're in a more fortunate spot, help them, because that is, as it says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to serve. That's me summing up that, to serve those who need help, to serve those who are hurt, and 
in need of being brought out of their affliction. So that's the first chapter of James. Um, work through it, and I'm going to continue to work through this whole book, like I said, over the next few weeks. So please tune in. Um, pray for me as I continue to learn how to break down chapters and learn how to navigate through Scripture. Um, as, you know, I'm not a pastor, so I have to learn this from scratch. Thanks for listening.